0: Sterling Griffin, the one and only. Um, Welcome to our show. Thank you. So Sterling Griffin was actually referred by our guest Chris Lee, and when he told us your story, we really wanted to bring you on the show. So I'm very glad you drove all the way to the far (laughs) north northern city called Fort Lauderdale, and no one goes to visit. Yeah, Yeah, right. Thank God for that. We don't have enough parking anyway. I have only two spots in my place. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lie. Yeah, welcome to my home. Uh, and we have the equally amazing Scott DeClery. And um, with us, we were together at Inbound. Mm-hmm. We spoke at the show, thanks to Scott. Nobody knows me over there, but they do know Scott. It a big <laughs> deal over time. <laughs> there. It was a fun time. It's the, first, it's the
1: first speaking engagement post-COVID. Yes. So that was fun.
0: Yeah! Wow! Yeah. yeah,
1: there was like not in our crowd. I wish, but there was forty-five thousand people registered for the conference, so it was a big one, a lot nice. of fun. Yeah, we just got back from Boston, like oh. two days ago. Yeah, so Why would we... anyone host a conference there? That's what I want. In to Boston. Know. Yeah, well, Boston. it's because that's where HubSpot, I think, was founded. Oh, got it. Got I think. They're... Oh, it's HubSpot conference. HubSpot. Yeah. So, got it, so, got it, so got it. I think I think they're I think they uh I think chair, chairman now Brian Halligan and original co-founder. I think he's from Boston. Oh. That's probably the only That's the only reason. reason. That's the only reason it's I can think of. It's not like a destination. No, right. no, it isn't a conference-like no. destination. I think that's why, though. I, think they, I don't know if that's there. a real
0: reason. I mean, sometimes budget, maybe, because no one no, else I think to use their location. In. Maybe that's also a good... Uh, a budget? Maybe. Maybe. See, I don't know. I have no idea. Anyways, forget about, forget
1: about that for yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how we got here with yeah. you here. Yeah. yeah, exactly. How do you know Chris?
2: So Chris actually mentors me. So he's, uh, oh, okay. he's, a, he's my life coach, one of my life coaches. It's funny, I have two life coaches that are in their 50s that are gay men named Chris. <laughs> Oh, wow. So it just, I'm just collecting them. I'm just collecting gay middle-aged yeah. men to coach me.
0: Like that a are named Chris, specifically. Is that, Is that a requ- like a requirement for you? That's like, a, yeah, that's- Before a, I start, what's your name? That's Amy. on my job description. Yeah. Johnny, no. Seeking no. life
1: coach, <laughs> must be, yeah. Were you at um, uh, the Summit of Greatness? No, I wasn't. I,
2: I was at it in previous years. I was in Lewis House Mastermind years yeah. ago but i actually was in an event that chris spoke at because he's a trainer he's a transformational trainer all in events all around the country and i went to that back in 2016 and totally changed my life i since that time chris and i hadn't stayed in touch but i continued to build companies and grow and grow and grow and eventually about a year ago now i reached back out and i said hey i'm at a point where i think working with you
0: privately makes sense to go to the next level and and he agreed so yeah i mean I, you know for for a while i was actually very critical over uh life coaches, um, I, I mean, very sarcastic too and all that. And eventually you start seeing that there are results. You meet people out there that they, they had their life transformed because of someone's speech. Mm-hmm. And I guess mm-hmm. when you when you don't have that transformation, you have different, you just don't believe it's real. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you say, you know what, it works. And when I think when uh, talking to Chris was when my opinion really, I, I got a little bit more uh, open-minded for it. And then when I spoke to Chris the first time and then the second time, and then we brought him over, Listen, it does something to you, right? It does something. Some people have, they're wired different than others, mm-hmm. and they have different energy and powers on other people, and they can really influence us to be better. Mm-hmm. Chris mm-hmm. is one of them. I mean, this is this is definitely a person that I would say, I want to talk to him more because I feel better after I speak to him. It's just some, yeah. some people would yeah. make you feel smarter, I yeah. guess, right? You, yeah. you can talk to some people intellectually, but some people somehow makes you feel better about yourself right they improve right. your self-esteem in yes. the presence
1: yes. I think the reason why people hate on life coaches is because the bar to become there's no accreditation yes the exactly. bar is low mm-hmm. so you when the bar is low for something mm-hmm. people are usually scammers or not yeah. qualified or it's to like one, one to, one
0: to so many yeah so many scammers except one or two that actually make people well life. the thing about chris right. is like Chris was a coach before coaching was a thing. I mean,
2: he's been doing it for over 30 years. So if you think about in the early 90s, coaching was not an industry. I mean, there was Tony Robbins and there was like a couple people like Chris. That's it. Zero. Others. Yeah. So when you have that much time in the trenches like he has, he's just way more trustworthy. I mean, his his. Tr- his
1: um, it's the energy though. Expertise that you, is yeah. his. But like when you speak to him, like there's an energy that you don't get with a lot of people. Of course, that's yeah. the first thing that I noticed. Yeah. I actually didn't even know much about him before you introduced me to him. Mm-hmm. But there's like a certain energy that somebody like just brings into the room and it resonates. Like that's yeah. probably why you like so you know you 2016 you connected with him and then you had you know a period of life where you're you're figuring your shit out and now you're mm-hmm. making some money mm-hmm. and then. You see value in it, so that's mm-hmm. like not bad. Four, five, six years later, you still want to invest, in, and I know he's not cheap. Yeah, so yeah. there's something there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, well, I I think what I've noticed is that when people do it for a while, they. Because you said, you know, there's no credit, uh, there's no accreditation for it, right? yeah. there's no degree, but when you do it for so many years, you see so many people and you can kind of like put them in buckets and you know how to treat each person yeah. and how to approach a different for person. Sure. And and you find that when they talk about something and they tell you, oh, well, you're that type of person. It's like, wow, oh, that's true. It's not some horoscope that, no, it's true. It's, it's exactly who I am. And they, they can break it down and they have seen a million yous before and they've seen million years transform before. Mm-hmm. And they can kinda of like put you on the right path. No, 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 walk in that direction. That's, that, was, that was, when you can feel that this is true, this is real, that's when you, that's when they get my attention, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you,
1: you brought yourself I, and I want to clarify so you brought yourself out of homelessness and I want to go into that story yeah and I was just
2: about to connect that to our because I talk also want to like, yeah yeah you
1: bring yourself out of homelessness and then you make some good money and now you make millions of dollars doing what you do when you are like a paper millionaire um, multi-millionaire multi-millionaire uh, what do you look like what do you look to Chris to help you with because you've in theory, figured out the most difficult thing that anybody could figure out, coming Mm -hmm. from nothing to something and then some. So what does Chris actually help you with? I have it ingrained so deep in my consciousness at this
2: point for reasons that I'll explain here in just a second from my personal experience that I always need coaches. I mean, just like athletes, like athletes always need coaches, no matter what stage of career they're at, they crave coaching because they know without it, yeah, they can be good, but they can't be their best. Mm -hmm. And so six and a half years ago, I was homeless. I, I had nothing. This was at the beginning of 2016, end of 2015. I was homeless for five months living in my Honda Accord in L.A. So I didn't. Not I didn't sleep on the street. I slept in a car, so it was a step above other yeah. versions of homelessness. And it was a Honda Accord. It's not a. And it was a, a Honda Accord. Yeah, oh, I mean, a good car. It, it it's reliable. It's the first word straight. out of people's yeah. mouth, and they're oh, it's reliable at least. Yeah. And it was, it was. And uh, the reason why I became homeless though, yeah. was a few months prior to that, I was actually a pastor. I was a Christian evangelical pastor for several years. But while I was in seminary school, which do you know what seminary school is? Seminary is, is like graduate school, but for ministers. Okay. So it's like you go to study the Bible in an academic You're setting. You're to Jews, that's why. You work. Okay, great,
0: <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> 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 well, actually,
2: perfect. This so you learn something new here. Yes. So that's seminary, yes. um, and while I was there, I realized I actually didn't believe anymore. Oh. I, I didn't believe in Christianity anymore, and it led to this terrible, terrible. I say terrible now because it turned out to be instructive and useful later, but. But this identity crisis, what is life about? What, is, what does life mean? What am I supposed to do with it? And so over a period of several months, little by little, I ran out of all my money. I couldn't keep a job. I was depressed. I was in a very hmm. strong depression. I was just laying in my and on my mattress on the floor and, and feeling sorry for myself watching Netflix for months at a time to where in October 2015, I could no longer afford the $250 a month rent to be the fifth in a two bedroom apartment in Pasadena, California. Um, so I got kicked out and I, I went and, and slept in my car instead for a while. But the first thing that I did once I became homeless, cause I knew that I needed to change my mindset. Something was off internally here in my mind. And if it was ever going to get better, I had to change that first so instead of spending money on rent that month, I went to go see Tony Robbins. Mm. It was the only person I knew. I thought, "Oh, this guy helps people. He can maybe help me." And so I go to Unleash the Power Within event. This is a four. Have you ever been to one of these? It's, I heard. I've you heard about been, it before? I've never been. But yeah, I've so of them.
1: I've never been. Okay, so it's this, like a, this is our this is our skepticism. About, yeah, yeah. I hate like, yeah. like, right. personal so, growth.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, anyway, it was useful for me. And I'll share anecdotally. It's a four-day workshop. You go, there's several thousand people that go on a given weekend. It's 50 hours, like 12 hours a day, four days. Very, very intense. like a rock concert, but 12 hours and you're learning things. And on the third day, Tony says... Isn't the one that's 6,000 or something like that to go? Well, this one was like... Oh, no, no, that's like the really nice seats. You your friends go to the really nice seats. Yeah. I couldn't afford that at the time. Okay. Yeah, I was like at the $250 a month. Right? That's, why it's hard. Yeah. that's why it's
0: hard to believe that it's true because you feel like it's all about the money. and it's it's. But but it's not. Yeah, they're allowed to turn cash and they're allowed to yeah. be... Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, well, he can charge a lot because he provides the value for it. Absolutely. He, he wouldn't still have the brand if he didn't. But anyway, day three, he says these incredible words. He says, if you take nothing else for this entire four day weekend, but the phrase I'm about to tell you, and then you use it, you apply it to your life. You will more than get your money's worth from this weekend. And so of course I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, what is he going to say? He says, proximity is power and who you surround yourself with is who you become. So take a look at the closest five people to you and you will find out the reason for why you are where you are today. It was like a light bulb went off. I'm like, oh, the reason why I'm broke, I'm unhappy, I have no good friends, is because all my friends are all the people that I do know that are closest to me, they're like that. They're unhappy, they're broke, they're stuck, they're going nowhere, they have no ambition. So no wonder mm-hmm. I'm the one that's stuck too. So it just, it went off in my brain that I became obsessed from that day on that I'm going to get around people that are doing well in life. I'm going to get around people that are happy, are fit, are fucking rich. Yeah, Because if I'm around them, they don't even need to particularly tell me what to do. I just know by being in their energy, it'll rub off on me. And so over the next couple of months, I started making friends with people that were running information, personal development businesses, because really the only thing that I had going for me at that time is I was in good physical shape. I'd worked out for several years. I was fit. I'd made a body transformation. And so I was like, okay, I can train people I can do online training. I can teach people how to get fit for a living. So I'd met someone at that event who also did that for a living, and that was inspiring to me. And then one day, a couple months in, I'm at this uh, party in the San Diego area. It's all, it's what's called the conscious community. I don't know if you've heard this term before. These are people that are, they're spiritual, they're into personal development, they're running kind of info product businesses. They're very conscious. Uh, Okay. okay. And they'll make sure that you know how (laughs) conscious they are. Okay. (laughs) And uh, so anyway, it's like midnight at this party and I'm, I'm telling this life coach, she was a very successful life coach, making you know multiple six figures, it's good for that industry. And I was telling her my sob story, like, oh, it's so hard to get clients, I have no idea what I'm doing. And she's like, well, who's mentoring you? And I said, no one, I don't have enough money for a mentor. She said, ah, that is the problem that would be solved if you got a mentor. Mm-hmm. And I realized that my problem was that I didn't have enough money. I said I didn't know how to make money when I needed it, when I wanted it. And so at that point it was like, come hell or high water, I'm going to get somebody to teach me how to grow a business. And so I, I maxed out all my credit cards. I borrowed money from my dad, which I was super embarrassed to do to cover the first $2,500 payment to hire a coaching business mentor. And that next month I went from making roughly little around a thousand a month to 4,000 that second month, that first month with him. And I'll tell you one more piece of the story that's important to why I am the way I am about mentors today. At the end of that first month, I would made enough money to pay rent. So I was staying somewhere. I paid off some pressing debt that had been missing payments on prior to that. But I didn't have enough money to make the second payment to the mentor. My dad was no longer willing to loan me any more money. And so I remember it was on a Thursday and my coach had told me, said, if you don't make that second payment by tomorrow, I'm going to take you out of the program. And you're going to have to do this on your own. And it hit me at that time that like, I, I can't just do this on my own again. That didn't get me anywhere good. I need to keep getting support. And so it was 2 p.m. By 4 p.m., I'd made an ad and posted it. By 9 p.m., someone handed me $4,000 cash and drove away with my Honda Accord. I'd sold my car to pay the second mm-hmm. payment to this coach. The next day I took that $4,000, put it in the bank, sent him his $2,500 so I keep working with him. And remind you, mind you, three weeks prior or a month prior to this, I was living in that, that was my home. Wow. So this was my last ditch like chance to make yeah. it work. Well, that next month I made $12,000 oh, wow. in my business because I was so maniacally obsessed with doing everything he said to do. I became his best student. So the, over the next five months I made a hundred grand and it had completely changed my life. I mean, this is money from where I come from that no one had never made before. Like this is, this is crazy. And then once I went to a conference that Chris hosted and I started learning about not just running a business all myself, but hiring a team and leading others, being emotionally in a better place, I started making $40,000 a month for the rest of that year. Wow. So my first year in business, I made 285 grand. Then the next year, I continued hiring mentors. I transitioned about halfway through the year to being a business mentor for trainers because word had started to get out that I was a trainer that had gone from nothing to something quickly. And they're like, "Hey." the hell are you doing? Because trainers don't make a lot of money. I don't yes. know if you know trainers or any of them. I know, I know them, they don't make a lot of money. They
1: don't. No, they don't get into it for the money. They, they get they're, into they're it. They're not making them. over 200K. No,
2: they're making like 20K on average yeah. a year. They're making nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And so they start asking me and I, I continue running the and fitness this first, business. And this
1: first business is you just training people. That's, That's right. That's the business. That's okay, right. Passion. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then I start adding business mentorship to it as well because I start having a passion for it. Someone that like literally couldn't eat every day and had nowhere to sleep for the first part of my training business. I want to help other people get out of that struggle for themselves. So, fast fast forward 2017 I continue hiring mentors. That year I made 1.68 million. So I'd gone literally in 18 months from being homeless to being a millionaire. But I'm telling you this, not just sharing the result, but the reason why that was possible was because I hired mentors. Mm-hmm. It's because people gave me a blueprint. They said do this, do this, do this. And then all I had to do was the easier work of just following instructions. And that created the life that I love today. I'm a multimillionaire. I'm very very happy. I have amazing friendships, I'm in great shape. And I really do give I'm not self-made.
0: I'm made with the help of people You know when that best when, me. when you look at when you look at success stories, I think that everyone has their the kind of like catalyst that said, "Okay, this was my aha moment, right?" And I think that was your aha moment. There was a mentoring, where you said, "Okay, I'm really good," and and kind of like doubling down on those ideas. And if it doesn't, I tweak it, and we go back and into the drawing board with the mentor, and we continue. Everyone, I think, is different. I don't know if if everyone's, get, but I, I guess that in my case, when I found that something was working for me, I doubled down on yeah. that. I was just pulling everything I can until I knew that no longer now I have to find something else and and I would look with commonalities what else works. But but that was your aha moment. That was okay. I found I found my my idea because I think at first you're looking for God. And then you said okay, I will replace God with a mentor. With leaders. Yes. Yes. That's something you need someone to kinda of like be above it mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. go and tell you this is your direction. And Mm -hmm. you need that kind of direction, but you'll be perfectly fine taking it from there on with just very minimal directions going forward, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Can I ask a question? When you
1: you first worked with that mentor, that was a very high-risk activity because you didn't have a lot of money to play with. So I'm hoping that somebody who's listening to this is not in that position and they do have a little bit of extra cash. Mm Uh, you took a super high risk with this particular person, and that person wasn't Chris, it was someone before no, you no, met no, no. Chris. No, no, no. So, how did you gauge that this person was going to be the good, the good option, the best use of your last, whatever, 2500 bucks? Because that could have gone two very different ways, right? Well, quite frankly, it was that he had done it for other people. Mm-hmm.
2: Like he'd
0: helped so it was other recommendations. trainers. Correct. Correct. It was, it was uh, right. correct. It That was lady that told you, oh, you need someone, she referred you probably
2: Exactly. To okay. She did. Directly to yeah. him. He said, oh, this guy works specifically with trainers to build so
0: online So you put businesses. yourself in the right environment exactly. with, with people that are searching for results. Right? They call themselves the aware people. They're in, I assume, some party with lots of flowers conscious around them. People. Conscious, conscious people, people, right? The yes. conscious people. <laughs> yes. And some say, I'm very, very aware and conscious of myself. You don't you have a mentor? Let me connect you. And you were comfortable. You were just, okay, you know what? I'll do it. I saw that Tony Robbins made an impact. You already opened up for, for mm-hmm. that idea. Mm-hmm. And then you moved in. I mean, look, when, when we're like, a, like as people, when we, when we go and we look for answers, many times you want to make sure that the answer is going to come from someone that's going to tell us so you don't have to find it yourself, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because it's very hard to think that I'm the only one that I have to come up with everything. So it's so convenient when you say, you know what, there is a rabbi, I'll follow this rabbi, or a priest, or Tony Robbins, or mm-hmm. something like this. And this is where a lot of people are challenging that concept because they're saying you idolize those people. But in reality, it works for some. I think it doesn't work for everybody, but, but it definitely works for some. Mm-hmm. And I mean, mm-hmm. when you take something that they're saying, just saying something and actually pushing it into your subconscious, right? If you tell me right now where he said, look, your proximity is... Uh, how, how did Proximity you... is power. Yeah. Proximity is power, right? You'll hear about this since you're a kid, right? Tell me who your friends are, and I'll tell you who you are. You hear it all the time. But mm-hmm. why is it that when you go and you pay so much money... Well, by the way, not go... everyone has those messages from when they're a kid. Maybe you oh, were fortunate to get those okay. messages, but most
2: people don't have that message in their no. ears. I didn't. I didn't. It, most people's friends
1: are just the people that are you you know, know, closest he, to them physically. He's not wrong, because I know that quote, like, you know, the five best <laughs> friends or, mm-hmm. you know, all these quotes about being around the right people, I only really started to see and hear these quotes when I was already becoming successful. And then I found myself mm-hmm. consuming this content all the time, and this is what all the... But I was very much self-taught. So mm-hmm. I was the mm-hmm. person who was seeking this out on my own, and then I would listen to a business mentor say surround yourself with the best people but it wasn't my parents it wasn't wasn't my it wasn't my friends in high school and university
0: that were saying like hey scott go level yourself up Mm -hmm. so do you have children no kids no kids okay so you guys don't have children imagine if you are the tony robbins for your children imagine when you grow your children and you tell them look you can make your life very easy if you're surrounding you with the right people. They'll drive you into the right directions. Always go with people that do better than you. Because that's how I grew up with, right? We were very poor. My mom and I were also, I mean, there was a point that we had no place to live. She was a living au pair. She had no place to live. So I had to find some church people to help me be around over here. And. Mm-hmm. But it was stuck in my head for years, right? And Mm -hmm. you don't put all that attention into it, but you somehow gravitate towards it when you're young. So imagine if you take those knowledge and you say, okay, it is going to work for me, but how great it is if I can pass it on. And they're going to be kind of like, it's gonna be part of their DNA, their instinctive part, where they're gonna come in like animals and figuring out who are the right people to hang with, and do- it's just your life as a parent are gonna be so much easier, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When you grow, and it doesn't have to be the, the private versus public, it's really easy. All you have to do is, are they bookworms? Are they, just what are they do? How is their language? How do they speak? Let me hear their verbiage. Yeah. Right and yes. it's just for you guys when you have this. It's all about. We were poor. My mom and I were growing poor in in, a, in an area that was good, but but some people would be very poor, some rich. But it doesn't really matter for her. She didn't care if you came from money or not. She wanted to hear how my friends speak. She wanted to hear their Hebrew, and she would say, "Okay, you should spend more time with this friend. Mm. I, I don't want you to play with that kid. Straight out, wow. just with her. Wow. Yes, that that counts to very everything. Wise. Yes, yeah. yes."
2: Yeah, I mean, I had all the messages when I was younger around, you know, it's not my fault, it's somebody else's fault that my life is the way that it is and just that victim mentality, which I think it it was rural America. I grew up in a small town in Northwest Florida, near Pensacola, and no one that I grew up around, no one now has money or is successful. Most of them still live in that same town, they're repeating the same patterns of their parents and that culture, that that poor people subculture, I'm not criticizing, I'm just saying it produces a certain result and I knew that that I knew from when I was young I didn't
1: want that result. I didn't quite know how to get out of it till later. I said that's probably why you were depressed. Yeah, the, yeah. When you were trying to figure it out in LA.
0: Yeah. How old were you when you ended up being a homeless?
2: I was 24. I was almost 25, yeah. Did I you graduate from college but yeah now? I'd already graduated college yeah okay yeah college didn't do anything for me <laughs>
0: uh-huh. yeah. we did speak about this before yeah, the a little before the show yeah college is and tell us uh, for for the for our listeners what did you study marketing and economics marketing yeah. and economics and you did not find this amazing job 500,000 a year right no. after college no the How thing is, is
2: speaking of mentors or the lack thereof I mean if you go to if you go to college to learn business think about who you're learning from You're learning from people that are academics. These are bookworms. These are not practitioners. They're not
1: people like, the three of us that actually run successful businesses very today. I will say shout out to like Stanford and Harvard who actually do employ. Yes. They do have some actual business people there yes, on staff. Do, but Good. not not very many business schools have them, especially right. not an undergrad level. Usually it's for like a post, like a
0: postdoctorate or like mm, a... He's being Canadian and nice right now. No, so I mean saying. Stanford has like some... <laughs> no, they do. They great. Do, they do. So yeah. for the Stanford <laughs> people, yeah, yeah. congratulations. There's about yeah. 100 colleges in the United States. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're plucking those two right now that yeah. most people can't go into unless yeah. there is a crazy story behind them but yeah
1: yes you're right most don't have yeah. actual like operators from businesses or they haven't operated in like a, a significant period of time mm-hmm. so that's what you're stuck with
2: yeah and so uh, you go to those classrooms and sure i can learn information i can memorize information out of a book but i'm not actually using it so that's why it wasn't useful
1: it's to me
2: i mean i just love yeah.
0: it because you go and you say listen i went to school i spent years in school I ended up being homeless after school, and I didn't even consider doing something around this. I didn't consider taking another course in college to help me get out of my situation. I just went and listened to Tony Robbins, and I got <laughs> out of it. It's like with a big fuck you with two fingers, <laughs> with both hands, to, to the educational system. So if you didn't understand that up until now, I mean, what else? <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> okay, so. Um where, where are you at now? So after, so you grew this coaching business to like one point something million. Yeah, it was the second year. And then I, I grew it by,
2: the next year was 2.2, the next year 2.6, and then 2020 was the last year that I ran it before I sold it. And it did three million in revenue that year. I sold it right at the end of the year. And um, the reason why I sold it is frankly, I was bored. I was just, I, I felt like when you run an education business, there you're teaching a particular topic. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you're teaching the same thing over and over and over and over and over for a creative like me, it was boring. I needed to do something else. So i removed myself from the operations of it. I put leaders in it. I went from at the beginning of that year, working 70 hours a week down to five hours a week. And the margins ironically went up yeah. when that happened because I got people better than me doing the different parts of the business. And then, and then I sold it. And when that happened, I was like, okay, I really want to learn about, cause the business was very stressful. I really want to learn about passive investing and mm-hmm. learn about how to grow my wealth without working that hard. Um, Who wouldn't, right? But that was the big idea. And so I'd heard real estate was great for that. So I start going all in on learning in real estate. I'm listening to podcasts. I eventually join a mastermind so I can learn from real practitioners in person, Mm -hmm. people that are doing this. And after looking at, because I've got this capital and I want to invest it to grow it, but I also... I moved most of my funding from it to come in the beginning of 2021, as opposed to the end of 2020, because I knew that I was gonna get hit with a big tax bill if I didn't. I mean, you've exited, you yeah. understand this problem that happened, so I was like, okay, how do I offset these taxes as much as possible, as realistic, and so in joining this Real Estate Mastermind, they showed me a way to do that. It's what's called accelerated depreciation. It's where you can buy a property, and then in the first year of ownership, you can take all of the depreciation associated with that property, and and use it as an expense to wipe out your income, to wipe out your taxable income and therefore pay no taxes. So when I discovered this, I was like, oh, this is like magic. So I wanna buy properties, but then I'm like, okay, what properties do I buy though? So I start looking at different structures and if you've ever looked at real estate deals, there's many different kinds. You can do syndications, you can do single family homes where you're purchasing individual homes. You can buy short-term rentals, so you could buy a home to then rent out for vacation users. You could buy multifamily apartments. But then there's a section which fewer people invest in or understand as a percentage of the total real estate investor market. And that's in commercial deals that are non-multifamily. So I start realizing there was just like a few people that were doing that in this master, hundreds of guys that are all doing real estate. There's just like literally three or four that were doing this type of investing. But as I look closer, I start looking at these deals and I realize there's a specific type of lease structure in commercial, in non-multifamily commercial deals where it is 100% passive. It's where the tenant, the person that is inside of your business property, they'll pay for your property taxes, they'll pay for all the maintenance, they'll pay for all the insurance, they'll pay for literally anything that goes wrong with the property, they handle it themselves. They pay for it out of their own pocket, and it's no stress to you. So as I start comparing this to all the other types of deals,
1: I'm like, this seems like the least stressful. Can I ask? Yeah. Why, so, th- and just to put a time frame on it, this is as you're exiting your business, 2020. You push the sale to 2021. I push the funding. Yes, the funding. So you get a calendar year to figure out where Correct. to put your money. Correct. So you don't get screwed on taxes. Correct. You figure out this commercial, non-multi-res real estate op- opportunity, and for this particular opportunity, why would they take care of all that shit? The tenants? Excuse me.
0: Well, they, they do it. They, there's, there's why there, is that? What's?
1: It? I'm. I'm not real estate. So. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Teach me as to why somebody would do a triple
0: net, a triple net when you you buy a well. They'll
1: do this. They'll do this as a percentage because it means that they can pay lower rent.
2: Okay, so they'll take on more responsibility, both time, energy, and money for themselves to cover all these additional expenses out of their own pocket. So. For an investor like me that wants to feel more passive, in my experience, this is yeah. great. Now there are you're some investors that are here. like they don't mind; they'll take the stress. They're like, yeah. okay, sure, you can call me at seven AM for a broken pipe. But like, it's, I'll it's fix actually it.
0: standard for commercial real estate. In Any commercial real estate, triple net is the standard. Okay, it's yeah, just yeah, what by people and large. do. Yeah, you you go and you do the math. you're like, okay, if if this is the rent, then the rent comes. After they pay triple net, after they pay your taxes on the property and everything else. that is your If you're
1: buying larger multi-res, then you'd already have a management team in place that would be taking care of most of these things anyways. But then
0: you have to manage people, right? You do Mm -hmm. have to manage people. So it's
1: it's still a headache and then more gray hair, less.
0: And there's still
2: decisions that get floated up to you. There always is. But in triple net, it's way easier, way less headache.
1: And, And why is this not a more popular version of real estate?
2: Well, there are several reasons. One of them is because in general, most people would prefer to do deals that are smaller in, in total price, for, and that's for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's less intimidating, just right off the bat, and second of all, because it requires larger amounts down to get into properties that are triple net. They tend to be you bigger. You
0: finance it the same way. When you, when you look at the residential, you can get sometimes 5% down, sometimes no, nothing down, and you, you're good to go, right? But when it's a commercial, usually the interest rate is higher, Mm-hmm. and you have to put a bigger percentage down. So it's, the pool of, of people that can enter this, plus the size is bigger. So the mm-hmm. pool of, of people that can enter this. However, once you go into it, if you think about a warehouse, it's four walls, right? You do nothing. You don't have to worry about it. Maybe the roof, but that's it, right? And then what happens is they go and they do it long-term five years, right? Six years, long-term leases. And uh, versus a, a residential, where people get it for so you're a year, out of time. A year yeah. at a time, year at a time every time, and then a million things can break. The water heater, now they're gonna sue you because she was pregnant, and those, and so on. And they actually broke the water heater, so they can sue you. It's just <laughs> all those little issues. You're, when looking, you're, you're looking into some of this
1: stuff now. You're yeah. so.
0: One thing about Joseph
1: is when he wants to figure something out, like he, like you can tell he's like focused on learning about this thing because he'll like learn every nuance about yes, it. Yes, of and course. And the reason why it's interesting is because he's actually looking at commercial property. I think, like as
0: we I speak. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking yeah, at so commercial and residential. You guys should, you, you at once. You guys yeah, talk most, after most investors.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Most, most business guys, if yeah. they've gone through an exit, I mean, they're gonna put some of that capital in real estate.
0: Yeah, it's real just estate. Like, you know, so show me, show me how many people lost their money starting a startup or business, and show me how many people lost their money. in real estate, except bubbles. It's very hard to find people that lost money in real estate. So real estate really take, it, it's not like there is no brain. There is brain into it, but it doesn't take to, it, it just takes a different type of person. And when you look at real estate, like, uh, right now, I'm, I'm learning, right? I'm, I'm an apprentice, right? I did not touch any investments of any kind all those years. I had one thing in mind, selling mm-hmm. those black boxes yeah. to, to make a plovers and then let me worry about everything else once I'm done, right? I was the same way. And it's like, right? You, yeah. you double down. Same you're, you're, way, yeah. So now now when I look at this, there are two parts where I look at something, right? I, I was very inspired. Have you heard of uh, Moishe Mana? No. Okay. Moishe Mana is a multi-billionaire, a real estate a tycoon, where he actually built first um when you look at the meatpacking district in New York, it was literally a meat meatpacking district. So he started purchasing properties over there, um, over time, and just transformed the whole place. Once he bought the whole place down, and he didn't really care much about the rent. It was more of uh, kind of like uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what you were you kind of like a land banking, right? It was just putting four percent but then eventually what he did he made it that look and feel made that be cool and then eventually he took all that that cash he doubled down and he went to winwood when winwood was a place you don't want to drive there during the day and he bought 16 square blocks wow and he didn't change nothing he didn't build nothing except one uh one place with convention center over there but he, he did build nothing he just pay, he paid painters to come and paint and then he started going from all those uh, commercial areas uh, that were for warehouses. He had to rezone them to, to be uh, restaurants. You have They're to rezone, retail. right? Yeah, yeah re- different type of retail. And he made uh, Winwood suddenly safe. And I spoke to him and he said, one day I drove at night and, and no one wanted to go in with him. He drove at night and he saw two young ladies going with miniskirts at night. And, and he called his brother and said, we made it. Now it's safe. You're yep. going to see. Now it's going to block. And today, Winwood is Winwood. And he owns 16 square blocks. Still. Still. Wow. Because in real estate, you don't sell, no, right? You no. refi. You so hold. you refine. Yep. You, and now he ended up buying. So he told me now what he's doing is he's buying uh, downtown, but only on Flagler because Flagler is the first my, uh, street in Miami that was incorporated in 1895. Mm. So he told me what I'm doing is I'm just buying everything all the way to the hood, whatever it is, I buy it all. And then I, I put one or two destination places into it. And then I start changing the tenants, making sure that there are better tenants, making the place look cool, fun, chic, not expensive. I, I don't like it expensive, but I just like." So he started building everything. So the way I'm looking at this now, there uh, there is... Um, there's uh, an area in Miami that's a block away from Wynwood, and my friends and I are—we're buying now. We're gonna start buying now properties, and it's still cheap. It's still scary. It's wow. still sketchy, but we're gonna buy blocks. Once you own the whole block, it's—it's it's a safe place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You own the whole block. So the idea is you buy place after place after place, and the good thing is once you have, you know, once you start renting it, right now, it's the best time because. Obviously, interest rates are high, so the pool of buyers is lower. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you buy in now in cash. You wait for the interest rate to go. Then you refi later on. Mm-hmm. And with that money, you buy another property. So basically, a dollar turns into 20. You know the drill. You know the, But the idea is go to one area, buy the whole block, and make sure that your friend buys the blocks ne- nearby. And you wait for the whole area to develop. You do it mm-hmm. right next to a good developed area. Yep. And then you wait for the whole. So it's, it's land banking. You put the money in. The whole area preys eventually. So you bought it for a dollar, then it's two dollars, and then uh, or three dollars, and then you can change more. You can charge more rent, but you never really sell it. Mm-hmm. You always mm-hmm. keep it, and mm-hmm. then you just you refine it refi you more. You yeah. Refine your Refin principal out and up. then put it somewhere yes. else. Yeah. So yeah. I
2: mean, the the well. That, that's a big money running. play. So, uh, a lot of people they don't have a hundred million dollars to play you with. To...
3: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? Dot .com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living, available to buy now wherever books are sold. Blocks you don't need that.
0: you can get a block for, for 10, 15, 2, mm. 3 blocks. Mm-hmm. And that's all it needs because in the center of town by downtown, there's no more expansion. No one does right, any more right, right. single homes. Yeah. They're only going to build more buildings. Correct. So High you're going to be right there. You're you kind of like the last Mohacan, uh, uh, like the last Mohac, right? The Mohican, yeah, Mohican. So it's like, just <laughs> as you're buying them now in the cheapest area, because it's just a matter of time, give it yep. five years, five, ten, it's going to be gold. Yes. Yep, yep. And you don't need that much money. And people can come in. You can buy two, three homes, if I tell you where it is. And you can come in with a million or two million, and you're mm-hmm. just good. Mm-hmm. You're just sitting on it. And we're all doing it collectively. Mm-hmm. And we're mm-hmm. lifting the whole place. You yep. don't have to go with yep. 500 million like, uh, like he did when he bought Winwood at the time. hmm that's awesome, man. I love that play too, yeah. I mean,
2: for me, the, the initial pain I was trying to get out of with my investing was, A, I want it to be passive, so I want my appreciation to happen whether or not I do anything, and I don't want any additional expenses. And then B, it was, how do I eliminate my taxes? How do I literally just, the, the outcome was this. Can, is it possible that I can use money that I'm already gonna spend on my taxes and use just that portion of my exit to buy properties? And so I closed on my first property in, in uh, my first commercial property in April, 2021 to do this. This was a $3.6 $3.7 million property. And I did it in such a way where, and this is a big part of my strategy now for what I do with investors is I negotiated between, um, I got a loan on the property, and I also negotiated the seller of the property to carry a portion of the down payment for me so that I was able to get in for a very, very small percentage. Mm-hmm. I was able to get in for, I don't know, it was $414,000 on a $3.7 million deal, mm-hmm. which is just over 10%. It's very low as a percentage compared to what you said most times in commercial, you're putting down 25, 30%. That's the typical. A lot of times, multifamily deals is 35%, so it'll be even higher LTV. So here I am getting in for about 12% on this deal. And it was like, in in the process, putting down 400 grand, I was able to offset exactly 400 grand from my tax bill, from my exit. Amazing. So all of a sudden, it clicked in my head. I'm like, what if I could do this for other people? What if I could take an investor that entrepreneurs, they make a high income, Mm -hmm. you know, not even people that exit, but just people that make a high income and don't have offset for their taxes. They're going to, on a million dollars of income, they're going to pay 300 grand in taxes. How can I make it so that I can get them into a secure deal like this, you know, leases, not just five years in length, but 10 years, 15 years. My average is 20 years on deals that I buy for myself. 20 year leases. So someone buys a deal, they have guaranteed income for two decades. They like talk about set it and forget it. All the expenses are covered, all the management's handled for two decades guaranteed. And so I got 20 years and call it a $4 million deal. I can get somebody in for 300 grand, 250 grand sometimes and at the same time offset four hundred grand in taxes on that same deal for them. So it's something that I realized, and I, and I could share more on this, something that didn't exist really in the space. I mean, most yeah. times, it's if a, you it's look a at a deal so you understand it's a,
0: it's, a, it's a finished good that you're giving people that yeah. don't have to think too much.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah, and, and I end up being the seller in this arrangement to them, because I buy the property, I get it set up, and then I sell it off to them, and as a result, I can get them in, because I'm the seller, for less than they otherwise could do if they bought a property off of, you know, online exchange or something like mm-hmm. you could you could get a deal theoretically like the ones that I give to investors, but you could never get into it for the amount of money that someone can get in with me. A four million dollar deal. I mean, you're going to put a million dollars in. So that. aren't you taking on more risk, though, that way? I I am. But that's why I make sure the leases that I structure with my tenants that. Yeah are structured a very particular way. I'll give you an example. And I have this fast food chain that I work with. I have several locations I'm selling this month for them. Um, I'm buying a couple myself. I'm selling a couple to investors. And on these leases, not only are they triple net to where they cover everything, but they're also a step above, which is called absolute triple net, which means that literally anything that goes wrong with the structure, AC they take care broke AC
0: broke everything.
2: AC, the roof needs replacing. The parking lot needs repaving. Literally anything, they take care of it. But also there's layers of what's called guarantees on the lease. So when you have a corporate tenant, it's very normal for them to put what's called a corporate guarantee on it. So even if indiv- that individual location struggles for a period of time for whatever reason, then mama corporation will continue to pay your lease for you. So that's one layer of guarantee. Now this particular chain is also held in a portfolio company, portfolio entity, where there's several other brands that are held inside of it, which is also normal. Typically, you know, you've got private equity or, or an ownership group. They want to own multiple brands. Well, that portfolio company has a guarantee on the mm-hmm. lease as well. Amazing. So you've got the corporate guarantee. You've got the portfolio company. And then one the majority owner of that portfolio company is super, super wealthy guy. He also agreed to put a personal guarantee. Oh, wow. So his own assets are on the line if something were to go wrong with the lease. And you have to understand, you've started looking at commercial leases so you know. You have context on this. That is extremely rare. That does not happen. Literally the only way you can get leases like that are if you negotiate them off market, which is what I do. All my deals are off market. And so
0: that's why I feel very comfortable both buying them myself. I'm like, I'm not gonna lose money here. So those, those so those deals are, are the ones where we spoke about this before. Say uh, a chain is gonna come, buy the land for 500, build it for, for another 500, they're in for a million. They sell it to you for two million, but they guarantee you everything in we're going to rent it for the next 20 years. So they made 500000 off the bat before they even started. Then they got um, a franchisee to, become, uh, to be forced to go and pay you everything, plus paying them commission. So well, they have the own guarantees that the so, Yes, that's, that's, well,
2: the that's Well, in, in this case, it's not, a fran- it's not franchise yeah. managed. It's corporate
0: managed. OK, it's a corporate managed. OK. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. I'm talking more McDonald's style, because right, that's right. exactly what McDonald's does. That's their model. McDonald's model is. I mean, I have much more respect for McDonald's now than uh, knowing how they operate uh, in today's world because what you saw with the founder was a little bit different with the movie. In today's structure is what I, I mentioned, where they buy the property, they build the property, they sell the property to someone else, and they guarantee to list it for 20 right. years, right. but then they don't technically guarantee it. They don't really lease it. That's a franchisee that has to pay the, the mm. rent. And obviously, if that franchisee is no good, then they said, okay, then we're gonna find you another franchisee because that's not a problem for them. Mm-hmm. But they know that the franchisee is gonna be in business, they know that everything's gonna work, and then that's how they, uh, they operate. So that's uh, they, they make money from the franchisee, plus it's not even their thing. So they just make money before they even started. They bought something for a dollar, but uh, they go; uh, it goes for two dollars. So,
1: so, so the I guess the secret sauce really is finding some of these off-market deals too, because that's what, a well, lot it, of the, it's
2: le- not just finding the deals. It's yeah. a good
1: question that you're asking. But
2: for me, everybody that's in real estate is looking for off-market deals. Okay, if you find typically, if you find a deal that's listed on an exchange online, you're only seeing that deal because yeah. it passed through five other investors' hands yeah. at a minimum, and they said no. So that's why it's listed on an exchange. All the best deals. You'll never see online and they're all passed under the table. So to speak between guys that are, that have connections. So I realized early on, if I was going to be new into this space, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to get access to the, the best deals. I had to make them. I had to literally create them out of nothing. Ex nihilo is a old, um, old Greek term that I learned from, from Bible school. It means out of
0: nothing. Oh, it actually means that. Yeah, nothing. yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, or no, that's Latin ex nihilo. But, uh, you know, when you said you learned something from Bible school, did you feel like there are some things you learn from in a religious time of your life that apply for business? Of course. Of course. Right. Everything that I've gone through has been
2: instructive and useful to help me into the businessman, to the man that yeah. I am today. Yeah, and I think you talked about this this respect for authority. I definitely learned a a like a level of coachability from from being in religion. And that's mm-hmm. maybe not something that most people would connect, but I learned an appreciation for call it following orders from people that I trust and being coachable, being willing to implement, being somebody that's disciplined um, from that. Because prior to religion, I became a Christian when I was 16. I didn't have any of that. I was very lazy. I felt very disconnected, lost in the world, so to speak. And uh, and it provided a, a sense of structure that maybe the military provides that for other people in their life or or something else, but yeah, it was useful in that
0: way. And you're right, the, the military does, I'm ex-military, so it's it's definitely, there's some. I mean, it depends how you take things in life, right? Things can go right above your head, and you wouldn't notice, and you wouldn't think about this, but when you're in a creative mode, when you're building a business, I think you're being forced to go back into your inner self and everything you ever had in your life, you use it as a tool, and you say, I'm gonna make something out of nothing no matter what it is. And if it was Bible school, if it was if, if it was uh, minus business school, <laughs> but everything else, you can go and bring it all in and you can say that is more instrumental than you would think if you actually go and think about how to leverage that mm-hmm. in your life. So mm-hmm. I think I think when you go to, say, Bible Bible studies or if you go to military or something like that, you can absolutely use it for for leadership. When you go to Bible school, you hear the, the, the postures, like how can I be uh, as charismatic as that person that speak on the stage very much so right how can i get people's emotions to come out and because people would follow you because of their emotion not because of the rationale they will justify it with the rationale but they'll do it because of their emotional side right for emotional reasons you you just tap through and when by the way when you when you tap into the people's emotion it's not about is intelligent anymore you for 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 good or bad right when you wanted to go and convince Anyone, right? when, the, when the Nazis wanted to, to convince the Germans that it's time to go and be the superior race and kill Jews, the Germans didn't go into their rationale, they went to their emotional side, right? So it can go the other mm-hmm, way around, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So how can you go and influence people positively, right? You need to understand the difference between your rationale and your emotional part. Definitely, um, definitely. I want, but go back to what you're saying, though. To find these deals,
1: you're not mm-hmm. finding these deals. So it's very or it's hard to find these deals. So you're building them from the ground up. So exactly how do you build these deals.
2: Well, I build relationships with tenants that want to expand into new locations. They have many locations around the country, and they are in a position where they want to expand in new markets. Their core business model is very profitable, but they just don't have. They don't want to allot the capital to buy the real estate. Or they don't have the team internally that can go and find the they right want to real keep estate. Cash flow. Yeah, they want to keep their cash. And so my model, what it allows them to do is have a new location, have the build out done, and have 18 months of operating capital and for free. Like all they have to do, all they have to do is sign a 20-year guaranteed lease. It's a very strict lease. It is. It's very, very like hard line guarantees I negotiate and get. But at the end of the day, if they're confident in their business model, which they are then they'll sign that lease because it enables them to grow their business very, very fast. I mean, this is not unusual within commercial tenants. I I feel like it's useful for me to give an example. Like Amazon doesn't own Mm -hmm. a huge percentage of the buildings that they use. They just lease. And the reason why is because they don't want their capital tied up in a building when they know that that same capital used in their core business model will yield them a much higher percentage. So many businesses are like this. They're like, "Hey, you go and make it ready to go, where we can start making cash day one." Which fast food restaurants—they're profitable day one. Like they—they're just like they have a grand opening, bunch of people come through, they make a bunch of money.
0: So it's a good business model that has fast cash startup on it. I was—I was actually looking at a couple of Amazon facilities. That facilities they yeah. to open, and I think it's around forty million dollar mm-hmm. when they wanted mm-hmm. to open each one of them, mm-hmm. and they're doing the same scheme like uh, like uh, McDonald. Yep. buy the place, build Sell the place, back. Yep. And, then, uh, and they're never going to get out. So it's a guarantee, 4% cap rate plus and all that. And usually you'll find a lot of um, uh, real estate investment trusts mm-hmm. going through this, uh, and you'll put their money with them, and then they'll go and they'll rent this. I mean, I think Harris, Harris is one a big real estate investment trust that has about $9 billion under ma- management, and it's mostly Walmart and... Um, and Amazon's locations hmm mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's it's something that's been going on through I mean it's gonna be dying out for the little person eventually it's gonna go more into big money uh, institution because it's already a business mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. when when you wanted to get a guarantee return that's that's how you do it yep. do you
1: have to so when you're buying these buildings um, and is there like a chicken and egg scenario where you have to find the building and then you have to put it in front of the actual corporation to make sure they approve of the location, then you close on it? Is that? Yeah, There's, there's a definitely. little bit of due diligence there yeah, to, well, to make sure that.
2: Basically, I won't even start looking for the buildings until I have an agreement in place okay. with the tenant. But then when I do and I understand their specifications, then I work with a site selector that goes and helps me find the individual locations. Exactly. And, of course, they have
1: to give the stamp of approval
2: yeah. that they want to move into it. No, of course. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so then, then you structured this building in an interesting way to sort of get yourself into the market a little bit quicker, right? Because mm-hmm. you're coming from an exit, you don't have a huge real estate track record mm-hmm. when you're first getting in. Yeah. So how do you make these, and this was interesting, because you're talking about even numbers before, like the percent interest, and the fact that you can bring the actual uh, down payment down from whatever 30 plus percent to 10 or six, percent, seven, six, seven. Percent. So how do you how do you do these deals? How do you structure it so that your investors actually get these opportunities that normally they wouldn't have access to in terms of like the actual financing that you're putting forward? Well, there's a couple things that make that possible. First of all,
2: I work with local banks who give me very aggressive, very good lending terms that bigger banks that most novice investors would not have access to. Because I now have a track record on closing so many deals. I gotta ask
0: in today's world, what's what's your interest rate?
2: Oh well life. it changes week to week I mean yeah. by the time this podcast comes out it'll probably yeah. change again so it it's yeah. it's, it's it's you know it, it can't be nailed down right now I think we're coming to the end of when it'll it'll stop it'll start like freezing for a little while mm-hmm. towards the end of this year 2022 when we're recording this and then it'll kind of stay static for a couple of years that's my guess before the fed starts bringing it back down we're gonna we're going into a recession i mean there's gonna be some pain that this economy feels a lot fewer people are going to be spending money like they were these previous few years and i think overall it's a good thing you know we, we kind of had the the price the values of things are a bit inflated from the last few years of having a zero percent interest rate mm-hmm. um, so it's good but, I mean, right now, what I'm able to lock in for at least five years at a time is um, five and three quarters percent. But again, by the time this comes out, it's not going to be that anymore. Yeah. It's going to go up again. is just the nature of, yes. of my industry right now. Um, but, yeah, there's ways that I flex on it. I, I get very high percentage loan-to-value It's what it's called. Right now, I'm able to get 85%. With a bank local mm-hmm. bank very very unusual but then also i float about half of it to an end investor so i'm floating about seven and a half percent to them so they can close on it for themselves only putting seven percent down so you think about this that same person they go and buy that deal on online and it still won't have the same level of guarantees that my leases do and it probably won't have as long of a lease as mine are maybe it's 10 years mm-hmm. instead that same deal they're going to put 25% down on cuz let's just say for simple numbers it's a it's a 5 million dollar deal okay they're going to put 25% down and that's on a that's very good if they can get 25% for the normal investor most times they put 30 35 let's say it's 25% that means they're going to put 1.25 million dollars down to own that property whereas with me a 5 million dollar deal they can get into it for about 400 grand or th- maybe 350 grand and yet, because they're 100% owner on that deal, they get all the benefit of all the appreciation that happens through time. So every single year in my leases, the rent goes up. It goes up 2% every year, like clockwork. Mm-hmm. And that is that. what that creates is, people in real estate understand this term, it's called forced appreciation. That means the property must appreciate because the income is going up. There are three things that affect the value of a property in commercial. This is just- Buildings
0: around and then- the-
2: well, three three things that, that affect it. it. It's actually pretty simple. Number one is, how much income am I getting paid from the property? Number two, how long am I going to get paid that income for? So over what length of time is the lease? And number three is, how likely am I to get paid that amount? So how secure is it? Those three things. If you affect, If you improve any one of those, then the value of your property goes up. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you increase the income on a property... And people in multifamily know this, you raise the rents, so you raise That's the That's why dollar people dollar.
0: give you tenant improvements. They exactly. say, I'll give you 40 bucks a foot instead of 35 but I'll give you $100,000 to renovate whatever you want. Because mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. want to make sure that they can do the refi and the- uh, Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So
2: anyway. That same deal, they're going to get that 100% of the appreciation because they're 100% an owner. But now instead of having to tie up 1.25 million, they can put 400 grand in and then they can go. They have 800 grand left. Over. And by the way, they've wiped out 500 grand in taxes, at least from this, from just that. So they've now literally become cash flow positive just on the tax savings. And then they still have 800 grand left over. They can go and put into... Call it another multifamily deal, or buy some houses with that, or buy a block next to Yusuf here. Like <laughs> well, I tell you what, what I,
0: I can totally relate because when you run a company, you're you're not, you're not trying to be in a real estate business. When you when you sell when you sell hamburgers or whatever, you're trying to just do your job and grow. And then you because when you want to sell this business later on or go public. Someone they're not going to judge you on the appreciation of your properties that you you accumulate, right? You they're going to be judged based on the growth of the business and your EBITDA, and that's that's what it can come down to. Yeah. So yeah. so you want to make sure that you keep and, and cash is king. Yep, yeah. a uh, cash is king. Look, m- m- Apple had more cash than any nation globally, right? Like <laughs> in in reserves, but COVID happened. They went and they borrowed cash. They just wanted like oxygen. So. So that is a solution for a lot of companies and that is a very unorthodox way to tackle a problem that most people don't think about. Yeah. So you went to a conference basically you heard about the you went to a real estate conference. Well it's not quite that simple. I mean I talked to I looked at so many different deal structures and some of it was at
2: conferences, some of it was just in Zoom meetings with people that I knew were experienced. And I basically synthesized a version of this Mm. from multiple different deal structures. Interesting. Um, I didn't get this from any one person and it didn't work like my previous business where somebody just handed me a blueprint and I paid them for that and then I executed on it. Like I had to pull it together. And so at the same time, the value that I received from myself as a business owner providing this to others is greater than the type of business that I had before. I mean, I've gotten... Significantly wealthier using this model because it is, by
0: the numbers, much more value that
2: I'm providing to.
0: So you know, I I want to ask you. So since since you're making millions, right? You're worth millions and in cash. So tell us about your lifestyle. I mean, we we see a lot of people flexing a particular lifestyle once they start making some cash. And mm-hmm. How is it for you? I mean, say, cars and, and watches. And I mean, you look very simple, kind of like reminds me of me. Thank, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not like Scott over here wearing a watch, trying to show off his Rolex over here. You said,
1: you <laughs> said we were going to wear blazers. I put on a blazer.
0: <laughs> I was. Yeah. I know. I said that. I changed my mind. So. Well, this is a good... I appreciate this question.
2: It's something that I actually think a lot about what are you wearing on your wrist uh these are just my intent bracelets these are reminders their words about what i want to focus on one says legacy thinking about Mm -hmm. uh, my life after i'm gone and the other says grateful i love it so these are things that kind of ground me whenever i look at them yeah Great company run by my friend Chris Pan.
1: Uh, my intent I know Chris Pan. You I know had Chris? Him on my show, yeah. Oh, cool. I was yeah. just
2: with him at Burning Man. Bro. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just hanging <laughs> yeah, out. He's very
1: cool. Oh, very, he's very amazing. Cool. He's amazing. I, I was yeah. actually wondering because I, I, I interviewed him probably about a year ago and I remember he was building out that company. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if it was the same thing, but that's very yeah. funny. Small, it's, it's Chris. A very man. small world. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. So. Um, the lifestyle question, I, I live a very simple life right now, and I'm I'm thinking about elevating into that next level of stratosphere, like buying a big ranch property, making a compound, like building my own custom gym on the property. This would be in Texas, yeah. not here in Florida. Um, I'm thinking about those things. I'm not super attracted to buying expensive cars. It, for whatever reason, it's never quite landed for, with me as being important or even interesting. Um, I do think about watches, yeah. buying nice watches, be, far, partly because they hold their value and uh, pretty well. It's definitely better than cars. And also because um, they're just interesting to me. What did you, what did you do when you, when you sold? I literally lived the exact same lifestyle, yeah. I am thinking about buying a plane sometime in the next couple months. Um, a private plane, because I do see the usefulness of that, of being able to fly private. I'm getting tired of flying even first class commercial. It's like getting harder and harder to know when you're Mm -hmm. actually going to show up at the place because flights get delayed or they get canceled. It's happening more and more and more. How how often do you fly? How often do you fly? Every week. Okay. It would seem. yeah. Yeah. For one reason or another. So, Yeah whether I was just at Burning Man two weeks ago, I'm here for a week, I'm going back to Austin for an event, I'm going to Tulum next week, uh, I'll be back here to film a bunch of content for my social the week after that. I mean, it's just a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm also a film actor, so I fly on to set to do movies for, Periods of times that's been a dream of
0: mine for a while. What's a good cap rate, by the way, going back to real estate? <laughs> yeah, fuck <a> <laughs> all the lifestyle yeah. shit. Let me yeah. go say, okay, so like, if, if someone's have, watching this, if yet. someone's watching this, now, yeah, 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 we'll talk boring, yeah. Yeah, 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 No, listen, listen. I mean, so someone's watching it, everybody gets a cap rate. What's your return on investment every year from your real estate that you would say this is the least I would be consider? Uh, if it was a regular list, not uh, twenty years and all that. Well, twenty years is something that is different. I pretty much always do. Yeah, yeah but
2: at this point, occasionally I'll do fifteen or ten. Okay, because and I'll tell you why. Why that's important to me? I'll take a little bit lower cap rate to have more security on the length of the lease because I I never want to be caught in a position where I could lose a bunch of value with a lease ending. Okay, so so ten years. What's the least cap rate you're going to consider? Uh, the lowest that I'd consider would probably be a, I mean, a five or a five and yeah. a quarter. Yeah. But again, I'm always thinking, what is the return with the percentage return that I can get on it, which is massively affected by how much money I'm putting down. Mm -hmm. So if I can put down 7 percent, the same deal that for somebody else might be an 8 percent return would be 24 percent return for me because I'm getting in for a third what they're getting in. I have the same rent on the same deal. And yet it feels like three times the return because it logically is. So that's the way I think about it. I'm I'm looking always north of 20 percent annualized return on my real estate deals. And that is a function of getting
0: in for less. Mm-hmm. What's the deal oh. that you're looking at now, that that warehouse you were looking at? No, the the warehouse is, is one thing. The warehouse is um, something that I look, it doesn't matter what the warehouse, I'm actually, uh, I just put an offer on the person. It was actually a cheap one. Uh, but it was in an area that they bought out bunch of homes in a bad place that turned into a really good place and turning much more because they're, they're putting right in front of me a couple uh, high-rises. Oh, nice. So there was a, a warehouse and then there was a residential place. So the residential was actually a small compound, 14,000 square feet with eight uh, units in it. And uh, the guy was trying to sell it for 1.9. We did the math that it's going to be 7% annualized return in the first year. And um, I said, you know, I'll just offer one and a half, see. They told me, it's, it's just way too low, no one's going <laughs> to. So I offered, and now he came back with 1.65 so better yeah so i said all right i mean that's cool um let's let's offer him 1.55 tell Mm -hmm. him final see how it does i honestly don't care it's a small deal it's a very small deal it's just it's just there i'm not really developing the area like i told you i want to do in miami where you feel like we have developed that area when you're talking about legacy on your necklace right you said well that area was not the same, and you want to feel like you've done something. This area, someone already—they've been buying all those properties for five years already. Yeah. They're doing the same methodology yeah. that I spoke to you about, so it's less exciting. But I can still throw some money into it because it will have the same effect. Like, but there's not going to be the legacy behind this. I wasn't uh, one of the original ones, like like Michael Mana that, that uh, like uh, Moshi Mana that built Winwood, and today Winwood is Winwood and it associates. In those circles, everybody knows it's him, mm-hmm. right? So it mm-hmm. creates legacy. Mm-hmm. If you want to create legacy in, in a real estate world, you want to go to a place in Miami, and that, that's where it's going to be, and it's it's going to be nice to know that you've built this. But this is like an interesting deal, and I figure why not like throw something just for cash, and my kids want Delta, them that's yours, yeah. nothing more that is a
2: significant part of the value for legacy plays absolutely is is being able to point and say that's us that's our
1: family
0: yes like right there
1: yeah i have a question for you and and i'm trying to understand and you probably have a strategy with where you want to build your business and your i'm gonna call it a fund but it's not a fund like a firm whatever company Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. when you're when you're subsidizing you're basically buying the properties and subsidizing the other investors heavily. Yes. Why aren't you just holding these properties yourself? Well, it's because it's extra cash for me to sell it to other people. And plus
2: as an individual investor. But not not immediately only, though, still. No, a lot of it comes later. Now yeah. I do make some money up front just yeah. because of the difference between the work, the, the property that I originally bought it for, I essentially add a significant amount of value to it by putting the tenant in, getting yeah. the construction You're done, doing all of the that. Work. Yeah, I'm doing all of that. And so I'm increasing the value significantly in a short period of time. So I make some money up front. Yeah. But yes, a big portion comes later. Um Ultimately I, I buy properties every single month. So I, I do buy a lot. Yeah. I buy I don't know. I bought a twelve million dollar property, uh what was that? July. I bought it in July and I buy I, I buy between seven and ten million a month for so myself. What I'm trying to get
1: to I'm trying is to is why don't I buy the, everything myself? Why don't you buy everything yourself? And then I can't also get, in your head. How do you choose which ones that you want to flip? Like what's mm-hmm. the what's the metric you look for or the or the category of property that you look for versus what you keep? Well, this is a
2: good question. I literally don't sell a single thing to investors that I wouldn't happily buy myself. That's but, right. Yeah. So, I get that. So so everything
0: you can fall down on it and it's yours and yes, yeah.
2: absolutely. yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I would never I just for integrity reasons, I just wouldn't anyway. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, but the reason why I don't buy everything myself is because I get more capital if other people put money down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just making. You that's just the, my active income that I then money. put into yeah. my yes. to buying my own deals. Yeah, so, like little flywheel going exactly. Okay. So I take the
0: money that I earn from investors from buying them a building, and then I buy more buildings with it. So, but that isn't that? Is I mean, for, I guess I misunderstood. Isn't that actually um, taking away from your cash flow for five years? I mean. You put the money in and... on Well, because I get
2: some money up front, you know, based on what they they
1: put down. Oh. So
2: you're I get some money up front. You're yeah. basically
0: maximizing in, all, and by the in way, all
2: aspects of And money. by the way, as time goes on, yeah. I will require investors to put more money down. I don't have to do it the way that I'm doing now. It's an extraordinary deal in the way that it is today. But someone like Grant Cardone would never do this because he doesn't have to. He yeah. has a big enough brand where he can get more money up front because people just know his name. And as my brand grows... I will do more of the same just because I just won't have to do anything else. So really people that invest with me now are getting the best deal that they're ever going to get. And quite frankly, that they literally could not get from anyone else. Terms this good. They cannot. It doesn't exist. So and I stand by that. Like
1: anybody that wants to show me a deal that looks as good as mine. They don't. So where do you. So when you when you build out real estate firm. Where Mm -hmm. do you take it? Do you start to raise funds and do larger investments? Is that? Yeah, yeah. I'll get into
2: bigger and bigger deals for sure. For sure. I'll get into, you know, $30 million. I mean, I'm looking at a $33 million deal with a partner right now. Somebody big retail deal, big shopping Mm -hmm. center in Florida. And I'd love to do more like that. I'd love to do some $100 million deals in a year. That's probably the size deals I'll mostly be doing. So, so yeah. But yeah, team. this is all building for a big exit that I would do in three to five years from now. And at which time I'd either get into private start? equity. Yeah. <laughs> I'd either get into private equity or, and, or, um, consumer product brands is something that is interesting to me at that time. I'll also be a major film actor. That's my long term play yeah. is, is to
0: be an A-list Listen, one day film one actor. Day it's in it's movies. inevitability.
1: Yes. You've done comedy too.
0: I've done
2: comedy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So, so let's go back to that. So you're an actor. Mm-hmm still acting mm mm-hmm.
2: yeah I did I've done two movies this year so far one okay. in Rome one in Texas okay um, and what was the name what were the names the movie in Rome was called deep six it's an action movie um, I played a character named it's a movie about the breakup of an American drug cartel located in Italy and I played one of the villain characters lead villain characters uh, named Jack I was a manic psychopath character which is so much fun <laughs> to play as an From actor being a,
0: a post,
1: uh, uh, pass, uh, yeah to it. that I come a long way
2: yeah yeah so so it's it was super fun getting to play that playing um alongside some stars and then i played
1: much smaller film actually a christian film i did in in texas uh, middle middle this year do you, do you find um keeping that creative outlet open helps you in business it just makes me happier. So yes, yeah, I'd say for that reason, it
2: does. Is it more
0: like leisure then? It's not necessarily. It's no, I just, I, like it's I,
2: something I, I take seriously and I work very hard at too. Yeah, yeah, I do. I love the craft of acting. I love the 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 ability to creatively live somebody else's life. It's also helping a the moments.
0: legacy, right? It's part of the legacy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And You've over time, I want
2: to, I will produce my own films because I want to create more positive messages and entertainment Yeah, that are, because that's how, that's how the masses get influenced is by entertainment, actually. Mm-hmm. So like that film, TV, that that's what teaches people how to think. Mm-hmm. So I wanna make content over time
0: that raises people's consciousness, that yeah. helps them think differently. It's pretty strategic, you can always go and say, buy my properties, buy my properties, when you put in I mean, that's subliminal Gran- message Grant- <laughs> Well,
1: it's not even subliminal, that's the Grant Cardone playbook. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how he raises money for his properties. He has the,
0: whatever, millions of people that follow him all over social.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. how he crowdfunds for, yeah. Real estate, yeah. yeah,
0: it's a very, a very different way than the original one, which was a boring business. Yeah, suits behind desks, just small amount of people. Now it's kind of like open up to the masses, and everyone can come and invest through a thousand dollar in my fund, through five hundred thousand dollar in my fund. Doesn't matter. It's for everybody. So you go retail, basically. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. go wholesale,
1: right? No, but what I appreciate with how you have sort of structured your life and how you're still pursuing your passions is a lot of people that get into building something. You were the same way when you were building Boxycharm. You're so laser focused that you do nothing else, yeah. and I think that sometimes there's benefits to that. But I think that for some people that could be very toxic in building their life that way. Like it's not easy for a lot of people to no. just do one thing for fifteen Stressful. years. No, of course not. But you're not doing that. That's the thing. No, like no, no. Yeah. No, I'm I'm much I'm multi passionate. I yep. think a lot of entrepreneurly
2: entrepreneur-ish people are like this they they want to do lots of different things it's just interesting for them I'm a creative and so that's what keeps me happy that keeps keeps me engaged otherwise I get very bored so I love business and I love creative pursuits so I'll always have both I used to think that I would just be an actor or for a period of time I thought I would just be a businessman but neither of them in and of themselves are enough to keep me fully engaged I'll always need to have both I love
1: that nice So that's good for I think we covered everything. We, we really did a good job on that one. So where can people find you? Uh, socials, website, all that.
2: Yeah, I would say for people that are investors or looking to invest, their entrepreneurs are looking to save on taxes or things what like that. You want to look at properties.
0: Hot chicks that just want to. Or hot chicks. Your, your, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, let's stay with the investors first. Hey, yeah. hot chicks that are investors is even best. That's yeah. the best of everything. <laughs> um they can just go to my website sterlingcapital.cc they go there and you can get access to my deal flow list just let me know a little bit of well, criteria well, what's about your social you. ne-
0: uh, social media network
2: we're okay. going to that next so sterlingcapital.cc and then um social media at sterling on instagram mm-hmm. is the best way so just my first name awesome s-t-e-r-l-n-g
0: okay amazing okay. we did amazing yeah, yeah. I agree. Amazing. I did do amazing. You're going to hash yeah, out a real estate really deal good. after this? <laughs> no, listen, this is really impressive. Very, very impressive. Thank you. Um, th- uh, thank you so much for coming over. And um, we're going to sit down and keep talking. And definitely have some questions that I didn't want to put it on air for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, Sounds good. Yeah, that was amazing. Awesome, man. I appreciate you coming. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're welcome.